again and welcome to another episode. I really, really appreciate you returning. Um, This is, I guess, season two, Electric Boogaloo, shall we call it that? I don't know if I'm going to have seasons or just continuous numbered episodes, so go figure. We'll figure that out, but um, I do appreciate you joining me again and This one I decided to title Like a Virgin because a lot of um, horror movies have certain horror tropes and we're all aware of regarding sex. And I think it was a few episodes ago I did um, started talking about sex and horror and I said I was going to go back to it. And so I'm kind of just circling back around to that subject. And, you know, sex and horror is definitely... It's definitely a subject that could be very lengthy, and I I know, <laughs> I know that sounds suggestive. It wasn't intentional. It was it's completely unintentional. But yeah, I am one of those people that can turn pretty much anything, um, any kind of mundane discussion or conversation. I can make it sexual in like zero point five seconds. Um, however, that wasn't the case. I just happened to have the word lengthy, but it's kind of in my nature. I'm one of those people. It's just uh, my nature to stimulate and titillate as well as make you laugh. So, and then next thing you know, boom, you, your pants are off, your dress is up, you're naked. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I've got the uh, Kavorka, like Kramer in Seinfeld. <laughs> yes. For people who've seen Seinfeld, you know what it is. If you don't, don't worry about it. You can look it up. It's silly. But this episode is titled Like a Virgin. And I can tell you, um, whenever I hear the song Like a Virgin, the first thing that pops in my head is the opening to Reservoir Dogs, the Quentin Tarantino film, because they're having this discussion about what that song means. And of course, you know, Tarantino's Mr. Brown is talking about, you know, all she thinks about is dick, 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 dick. And they're like, that's a whole lot of dicks. (laughs) And breaking down what it means, you know, obviously, from his perspective, it means that some guy has dicked this woman down and she's never been dicked like this before. So she feels almost like a virgin. But this episode, man, I went to Quentin Tarantino really quick. This this episode is about um, virgins and horror films. And we're all pretty, I would assume, familiar. If you've watched horror movies, you know what the horror virgin trope is. Um, what the horror virgin rule is. And in order to survive most horror films, you got to be a virgin. You got you to gotta be pure as the driven snow. And um, when we say pure, you know, we, we're not talking about just between your legs because that's, that's easy, right? You know, we're not talking about just the, uh, the naughty bits that people bump and rub together. We're also talking about being pure of heart so that you can triumph over evil. I'm sorry, I can't help but say that and think of Willem Dafoe, but um, this episode is to discuss the virgin rule for final girls and guys, because we do have some, some virgin guys, and also to debunk the rule of that virgin horror trope, um, because there are a few movies that the, the final girl is not necessarily a virgin and lo and behold that that's kind of shocking i i think we kind of forget about it because it's been so ingrained in us that 
they have to be a virgin in order for this to, for this, the, uh, the good versus evil, G versus E. Oh my God, I missed that show. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the, the good versus evil triumphing and, you know, remaining chaste and also remaining the fuck alive. Um, so let's start with one of my favorite final girls. And I know I talk about Sigmund cinema all the time. I know, I know. But it was because of this very trope, the final girl trope, I ended up doing the podcast with him. And Laurie Strode was my number one. Um, we did a top five final girl. And Laurie Strode was my number one in Halloween, the 1978 version, um, which I want to tell you is free on Roku channel and Amazon. If you have a premium subscription, most of us probably already own it. But for the ones that don't, you can watch it there. But I love Laurie Strode. Um, she's sweet. You know, she's a little love struck over a guy in her class who doesn't know she's alive. And she's just, she's sweet and she's kind. And she's a really fun babysitter. Like, I, I wish I had a Laurie Strode that was that fun when I was growing up. Um, you know, and she even goes out of her way to offer and watch the uh, other child that her friend uh, is, is babysitting so that, you know, Annie can get some. And, you know, you got a girlfriend that's going to look at you, look out for you like that and, and take on another additional child to watch. You know, most babysitters, you just want to sit on the couch and watch TV and let the kids sleep and eat junk food and possibly have a boy over and to grope and grapple. But Lori's not like that. She's very smart and, you know, self-aware. Um, I love her. Because she is, and my favorite word, plucky, you know, she's, she's smart and she knows her surroundings. And the best thing about her is that she actually makes it out of this ordeal with the shape because her main focus is really to make sure that those kids are safe and, and herself. Um, She's very adamant about protecting them and getting them out of the house and, she's virginal and maternal all at the same time. It's really quite interesting to see that because most teenagers, at least when I grew up, they didn't give a rat's ass about anybody but themselves. So to see one be so protective and so strong, even though she's, you know, scared out of her wits and crying and you know, shrieking at everything. And, you know, you think it's going to be the all is lost moment for her. She really digs deep and she fights back. You know, they have that uh, scene where she takes the uh, crochet needle and kind of pokes him in the eye. And, you know, she's really kind of fighting for her life. I enjoy watching her, obviously, because of Jamie Lee Curtis, but just what that character embodies is so amazing. Um, now, she does get a little phallic action from Michael Myers and his knife, but no real deep lacerations or AKA penetration happened to her, at least not in this film. So, you know, she gets a little slash here and there, but, you know, that virginity is still intact. <laughs> She's not getting, you know, stabbed and stuck to the wall like Bob. Um, so I really, I really like her a lot, um, without a boyfriend or 
any of the temptation of sex or drinking or pot or any of that stuff. She's so focused and sharp. And unlike her friends, she's fully aware of the danger. She's kind of felt a presence the whole time that he started his rampage. So I I love Lori. I, I mean, I can't, I know a lot of people love Lori, but I love Lori. I cannot stress to you enough how much I love that character and how how much she is the blueprint for a lot of our final girls. Um, just that determination, that survival instinct, staying alive, using whatever you can. And yeah, you're in a you're like a, a bald, you know, mess of nerves, but <laughs> you know, you you still make it. And I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember when I started babysitting. I I always had these kind of horror scenarios in my head because I was like, okay, you know, I walk in and I kind of survey the land and figure out, well, what's the best exit? Do we have a one way in, one way out situation? Are there stairs? You know, just, you know, normal things that horror girls think about. <laughs> but um, yeah, she, she kept that V card and definitely um, survived. So in her case, being pure, saved her ass, you know, she wasn't out here banging in the cars or in the people's houses. And let me just stop right here for a second. That is the most disrespectful shit (laughs) I've ever seen for a babysitter to go into somebody else's home, sleep in their bed, do their dirty business, and then just act like it's perfectly fine. You have your own B&B to shack up with. And these people work hard and you're just banging on their sheets. It's disgusting. I said the same <laughs> really quickly. I, I do go off on my tangents, but you know, when you're a teen, you don't think about stuff like that. But shit, if I had a babysitter that did that, I would, you don't even want to know where I would go with that. I digress. Moving on to the next final girl who also kept her V card. We have Miss Nancy Thompson from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984. It is currently streaming on dun, 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 HBO Max for as long as that lasts. If you have a subscription in Amazon Prime or Apple TV for a rental fee, but most of us, once again, either own it or you've seen it. And we see very early in this film um, with the co-ed sleepover with Rod and Tina and Nancy and Glenn, uh, we, we can see that Rod and Tina, they, they get busy. They're, they're very vocal, very loud, having sex people. Like, I don't, I don't know if I would sit there and listen to it. I don't think I would be like Glenn who, you know, puts his pillow over his head and says, morality sucks. Uh, I think I would just knock on the door and be like, shut the fuck up. He ain't that good girl. If he is, you need to be making some money. But side note, let me get back on track. Clearly, because of Glenn's reaction and how pent up he was, clearly Nancy had not given him any play. And I'm assuming it's because her dad was a cop and he probably didn't want to face the wrath of that. I mean, the man carries a gun. I don't know if I want to anger the daughter of the cop in the town just because I want a little something, something. But he still loves her. I mean, it's his girlfriend, you know. He's he's willing to wait. He's gonna wait, put his put his work in, get the shot. Um, now I will say, if you haven't seen this movie, it came out in '84. Like I said, Glenn 
kind of meets his demise. So he's one of those rare virgins that didn't make it. And I'll talk about the virgins who unfortunately got 86 a little later in the episode. But Nancy has the same strengths as Lori. She's pure. She's smart. Um, she's protective of her friends and her family. And actually, she's quite the fucking MacGyver, really, you know, setting up all of these booby traps and getting old Fred Krueger up in there in her dreams and just, you know, taking this fool down. Like, bro, I don't know mercenaries that could do as well as a teenage girl did. That was, to me, that was impressive, you know, like just MacGyver and the fuck out of the whole house. Um, I will say she proved that, yeah, she's a teenage girl and her mom thinks she needs protecting and her dad thinks she needs protecting, you know, to the point where they put the little metal, um, in the eighties, they called it protecto guard where they put the little metal, you know, you basically feel like you're in prison. You're supposed to be keeping people safe, but it feels like they're keeping you in. Um, but you know, that whole home kind of style of protection, and, you know, because they think that she's too young and can't defend herself. And she proves it's the fucking opposite. Definitely a force to be reckoned with. And it may just be that V-Power. V-Power, baby, is keeping her alive. You got to keep that V. <laughs> At least that's what they tell us in these movies. And I always think it's funny as well because you know we always see the guys that are like so pent up like they just want to get laid like please 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 you know and they're they can't figure out why these girls don't want to give it up but they don't want to give up the power baby that's that's the power <laughs> you know we we know what it is we going we're gonna keep that power as long as we can the smart ones do you know and shit happens what are you gonna do but it's not to say that the ones that give the V away don't have power, because that also is a is a force to be reckoned with. And that would be in a movie called Teeth, but I'm saving that for another episode about sex that's called Sex as a Weapon, and that's gonna be funny. Um but yeah, there's there's power in that in that Yanni that, you know, y'all y'all don't know. That's a force to be reckoned with. Can't can't fuck with it. Unless we let you fuck with it, you can't fuck with it. I will say um, Nancy has always been one of my favorite final girls because we get to see her as a teen and then we get to see her come back in the third movie, the third installment of the franchise. And um, Heather Langenkamp is is so great. I don't know. There's something just about her. Maybe it was because it was the 80s and she just had this kind of pure, innocent girl next door look. But she was really strong. And I and I like that. I like that they didn't just make her the helpless victim. And, and that's what a lot of these, a lot of these final girls, we think that they're the victim and then they kind of, I said this before once, um, <laughs> they kind of, you know, steal their loins and get their gird up and they're like, uh, let me dig a little deeper. And they, they 86, these bad boys. And that's one of the appeals to me as a teenage girl watching these films was, was how powerful women are or could be, even though on the surface, the weaker sex, my ass. We have kids and we bleed and, you know, we we run shit. And um, I, I love the final girls. And and the, the virgin ones are astonishing to me because they got so much pressure going on and they still manage to, to rise above all of it. So that's my spiel on that. 
kind of went off on a minute, but that's okay. You guys should be used to it now. Um, another one of my favorite final girls is actually in a movie that I don't really hear a lot of people talking about. And I've mentioned it a couple of times before, um, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon, that one came out in 2006. Uh, it's currently on Amazon prime and YouTube. You can rent it. It has a rental fee on both of those services, but I own it. I absolutely love it. And the reason I do is it's a very clever mockumentary um, about Slasher. Uh, we're, we're kind of following this aspiring Slasher that is giving us a behind-the-veil look of what Slashers do to prepare to get a victim and to look for a specific type of person to be the victim And I really feel like this movie needs a lot more love. Like this movie's still great because we have a lot of horror film icons and they're in cameos. We have um, horror props. (laughs) At one point, I think we see uh, the Lamarchand box, the Hellraiser puzzle box. We um, have a lot of horror nods. And this is such a clever film because we discussed the final girl trope and a lot of other horror tropes obviously are thrown in the mix. Um, and spoiler alert, like I said, it came out 2006. We get to see everything with this documentary crew because he's basically telling them the victims, the location that he's planning for this killing spree. And he's got everything picked out. And we have such fun with him because you're watching him and he's literally taking you by the hand and saying, here, this is how we do this. This is how we appear to be in one one spot and then we pop up in another. Um, it really it really is clever and it's it's right on the nose. And I enjoy every minute of it because of that whole mockumentary style. Um, it's it's funny and then it does get a little serious and creepy, which I didn't expect because I thought it was going to be more of a horror comedy and it kind of is. It almost is like two films put together because while we're on this kind of journey with him and he's giving us all of the ins and outs, we actually are with him on the night that he decides to go on this kind of rampage of, of slashing. And it's really interesting to see it from that aspect. You know, we're all kind of ha ha and he, he, and and next thing you know, you're like, Oh fuck, he really is going to kill these people. What the fuck? You know, the crew is following him and it's like, what did you think he was going to do? He told you, he literally told us every step of the way that he was going to kill these people. Love this film also because we get a huge laugh when we actually have the virgin reveal. And then there's a twist on that virgin reveal because we find out who is the real virgin virgin of this film and also who the real final girl of the film is. And it's, it's pretty nice. Um, Leslie kind of just walks us through and goes through um, at great length as to why we need a virgin to be that final girl, what that means, and what the choice of weapons and location mean, the symbolism behind those choices. And they even make a crack. Uh, Leslie, <laughs> he goes and he visits one of his mentors who's a slasher. He's a former slasher. Um, They don't really say which one he is, so I I really can't remember who he was supposed to be, 
but his he's married now of course and he's got a wife and he married one of his victims go figure whatever love love finds you in crazy places i guess but what's so great about it is uh his mentor's wife gives us the rule don't hang out with a virgin and she says something um pretty much like if you've got a virgin in your crew either get somebody in her pants or get the hell away from her <laughs> And I was like, so basically get this bitch laid or stay the fuck away from her because we're going to come in and he's going to come in and kill you. Um, and, and it cracks me up whenever she says it because they all agree. Yes, please either get her laid or get away from her because you're probably going to die and the virgin probably isn't going to because we need her. It really is sound advice, though. I mean, either that or, you know, find somebody that runs slower to, slower than you. You don't have to be the fastest, but you got to be faster than the people that you're with. Also, another great tip they give us is uh, don't turn around. Don't look back. If you're running, run like hell. Because if you turn around, you're not going to like what you see when you turn around. <laughs> so, clever movie. Um, the virgin twist on this was really great, and I enjoyed it. And I guess that was kind of spoilery, but not really, I hope. And if you don't really know much about um, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, you really, really need to, to go and, and give it a chance and watch it. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's one of those films I highly would recommend. If you love mockumentaries and, and you like, obviously, if you like horror movies, it's gory, it's funny, it's smart. It really kind of takes apart and revels in all of the questions that we as horror lovers think about or at least the ones that I think about like how does the killer appear to be walking and then he's right behind you or what's an Ahab and if you've read Moby Dick you know what an Ahab is but Loomis for example would be an Ahab you know he's there to fight the evil and we have an Ahab in this one played by Robert England I absolutely love him and his explanation for the Leslie Vernon character is really quite, um, it, it was interesting. I didn't expect to see, I, w I wasn't expecting exp explanation that I got for why he's a slasher. Um, also, how do slashers choose their victims and how do they choose their final girls? And literally I could go on and on about it, but it's wonderful. I, I really think everybody should, I don't know why people don't, love this movie as much as I do, but I'm a little fanatical about it because I do like mockumentaries in general. Um, Man Bites Dog was one that I saw, and that's not funny. <laughs> Man, that's not for the squeamish. If, you, if you've seen Henry Portrait of a ser Serial Killer, then Man Bites Dog is not going to bother you at all. But if you haven't, I would skip it because it really isn't for the squeamish. Oh, and a, a little trivia about uh, Behind the Mask there is um, somebody on the mockumentary crew who is basically interviewing Leslie and um, getting all of the information. And she actually was one of the McAllister kids in Home Alone. So um, you'll recognize her face when you see her. But I, I really like this film. Um, and, and keeping that V card actually was a great, a great um, plot point in this because he goes on in great length about what what it means to be a virgin and what it is to be the final girl and why they're so damned important to these horror slashers that we see don't think i have any more female virgins 
I only wanted to talk about a few. So I guess uh, the next thing I need to do is go on to the male virgins that we have. Yes, we have male virgins, y'all. It, it goes both ways. Like your girl. I didn't say that. Well, I did say it, but you guys already know that about me. It's nothing new. I I, I like both sides of the uh, rainbow. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to say it. So moving right along, we have not talked about our male side of virgins and horror film. And I would be remiss if I did not bring up Mr. Charlie Brewster in Fright Night. Now, Fright Night came out in 1985. It's currently streaming on Apple TV for a rental fee. And let's see, Charlie, what can I say about Charlie Brewster? Charlie has to battle his newest neighbor that he finds out is a bloodsucker. But he's also battling his raging libido with his girlfriend, Amy, who clearly is not ready to go all the way with him. She's just not ready. And I feel like this is just my own humble horror nerd opinion. Charlie's fortitude is so strong because he's been patiently waiting to get in this girl's pants. Now, let's face it. We have all been there. Maybe not to get into a girl's pants, but to get into somebody's pants, right? We've all been there. And I think he may be one of my favorite male virgins in horror just because he's pure, but not too pure. I mean, he is still trying to knock boots, right? I know I'm like a dinosaur with that term, knocking boots. But he's still trying to get into Amy's pants. He's been pressuring her to give it up and... He actually is prepared to fight Jerry Dandridge to get her back. The man is a vampire. He kills people. He sucks their blood. Yeah, Charlie's not having any of that. He he put in too much work, too much time to let Amy just get turned into a, a vampire. That's not going to happen on his watch. I absolutely love him too because after, it, spoiler alert, after he saves the day, we see him, we cut to him and Amy and they're back in the bedroom, which is where they started at the beginning of the movie. They're kind of doing a little bit of heavy petting and nothing was happening. As soon as he got a little too into it, she was like, no, stop. When we cut to the end, they're in the same place. And after that, Amy's like, why? Yes. Go ahead and come into my lady cave. At this point, I mean, she kind of had to, right? This, this dude saved her. That's, that's, that's the, that's the least (laughs) you could do to say thank you for not, you know, letting me remain an undead blood sucking creature of the night. But I really do like Charlie. I, I, I know I'm making fun, but he's just, he's one of my favorite things to watch. And he has the same thing in common that all of our female virgins have, which is they're super protective of their family. He's thinking about his mother, he's thinking about his friend, and he's thinking about his girlfriend. So, oh, and Peter Vincent, he's also thinking about Peter Vincent. So he really is thinking of everyone around him, even the people in his community. He knows that if this guy continues, there's going to be more dead women. It doesn't matter that they were women of the night, aka prostitutes, aka ho, they didn't deserve to get what they got. So... Charlie being a virgin in my book speaks volumes about his character because I'm sure he probably could have hit on anybody at school and maybe would have gotten to, you know, a home run 
second base, whatever. With but with Amy, he he actually loved this girl and he actually wanted to save her and help her. And I just love Fright Night anyway. I mean, period. I I can't tell you how much I love it, but I really do love that character for the simple reason that the boy just held out until he could get some. And God bless him. I think he got it. Um, so Charlie's my first guy, not my first guy, but the first virgin. And the other, um, virgin that I do want to talk about is, um, Randy Meeks. I've never been a huge Jamie Kennedy person, but whenever I see Randy and scream, I instantly fall in love with that character. I instantly fall in love with Jamie Kennedy. There's something about him as Randy Meeks that is dumbass charming to me. I, I don't know what it is. And I think part of it, well, I know what part of it is. I think part of it is I used to be a video store clerk and I worked with guys that were like that. And I also worked with guys who thought I didn't know my shit. Being a, uh, not to get all racial up in the piece, but being a black woman who lives in the South and I just happened to work in a video store and I had worked in countless video stores. Not, not the big, big blue. I never worked for Blockbuster. Never, never worked for the big blue, but more mom and pop ones, you know, like local ones. And so I was already a movie nerd to begin with. Working in a video store was the best job I could ever have because I had copious amounts of movies to watch whenever I wanted and I didn't have to pay for them. And if I wanted to buy any, I got a discount. So nothing used to irritate me more than a man, I'm not going to say any particular color, but they would just test me as if I didn't know my fucking shit. So of course, then you got to school them. Then they get pissed off. And then they come back a couple of weeks later trying to school you again. But anyway, Randy Meeks is one of those guys I would work with, but he wasn't, there was a Randy at my store, but he wasn't a dick we would actually talk about movies and talk about different actors and directors that we liked. I didn't make out with him in the video store or anything. Just so you know, I was already married at this point, but I think that's why I have such a fondness. And I think that's why we all kind of have a fondness for Randy because he is us. He's that nerd that knows all the ins and outs and he's seen all of the horror movies and knows what to look out for. And the reason I love Randy so much in Scream in the 1996 version is he makes a great quip. <laughs> he has tons of great quips. But he makes a great quip at the end when he survives. And he's like, oh, man, I've never been so happy to be a virgin my whole life. <laughs> so that's how we know he kept his V card. He survived. Now, we know, spoiler alert, by the time we get to Scream 2, unfortunately, that's not the case. And when we get to Scream 3, he's already kind of laid the ground rules and, and worked up what's going to be happening if it's part of a trilogy um, I love the fact that we have in the new Scream 2022, uh, we have the Meeks Martin twins and we have, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the niece, but she's the one, Mindy, she's the one that uh, gives us all of the Randy-isms that we're used to. And I absolutely love that scene. I just watched it recently because my husband had not seen the newest version, um, me and my kids have. And Every time I watch her, I get a little bit of glee because I feel like, damn it, that's me. <laughs> I get to be the little geeky nerd lady giving you all the explanations and exposition on all of the stuff that's going on in these movies. So Randy Meeks 
in Scream. Great virgin. Unfortunately, when he when he lost that V card, he didn't he didn't last. But that's okay. I, I will always have those fond memories of him in Scream. He bring it brings up a great point that you know virgins. Usually, virgins always live. Um, we did talk about the aforementioned Glenn and A Nightmare on Elm Street. He wasn't so lucky. He was a total virgin, totally dead. But another great one that we get is um, Jim Carrey. Yeah, I said it, Jim Carrey, in the horror comedy Once Bitten. And Once Bitten came out in 1985. This one is currently streaming, let me see, on Tubi, Pluto TV, and Amazon Prime for free. So this is... um, Jim Carrey's first major leading role, and he is playing Mark, a high school virgin who just happens to cross paths with a sultry vampire played by Lauren Hutton. Um, And her whole thing is she needs virgin blood to remain immortal. I also need to note, um, she doesn't bite from the neck. She goes a little further down south, below the equator. And the mere fact that I always found was utter bullshit in this film, even as even as a teen in the 80s. The mere fact she's able to locate, one, a virgin in the 80s, and two, in California, has got to be the fucking holy grail of passes for her. How the fuck did that even happen? I mean, even if you don't have good sex, most people just have sex, right? And until they have good sex, I mean. And so she has to get... Why? I don't know. She has to get three bites to make her immortality last. So in this film, I would assume the simplest solution is just to de-virginize him, right? I mean, what the fuck? Why would you, if you're a virgin, she needs virgin blood, go fuck somebody. It's not rocket science. You just (laughs) go do it. And literally, that's what they did. That's how they solved this problem. Um, he's got a girlfriend, but he's kind of, you know, enamored with this this older MILF vampire. I shouldn't say MILF because she ain't got no kids, but <laughs> uh, you know, they you know, he's captivated by her and he's got this great, cute girlfriend. I wish I could remember her name, but she was really adorable. And um they decide they're gonna fix this problem. You can't suck blood from a virgin if he's not a virgin, right? So they get into a coffin and they do the deed and problem is solved. And the countess can't remain mortal and she starts aging and looking like an old crone. And it's very funny because um, she's called the countess and she makes this remark. Uh, oh my God, you you were only in there than less than a minute. You couldn't have. And they give her this look like, oh yeah, we did it. And then she's like, well, if you did, you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and then you see the coffin kind of close and they, they both look, look at each other like, yeah, we really didn't enjoy it. Let's do it again. And they close the coffin. It's a silly film. And I really, I really should let you know, it is God awful. <laughs> like when I say God awful, it is G-A-W-D awful. God awful. <laughs> That's how I have to let you know. But but that sudden but but it really is 
a cute little goofy film. Sometimes you just want a silly little horror film. It doesn't have to be all, you know, pinhead leather sex shop <laughs> kind of S&M stuff. You want something silly and light, watch Once Bitten and then go watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Watch that movie. Those shits is a great pair up. It's 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 absolutely fun. You know, if you if you had a shitty day or even if you hadn't had a shitty day, and you just want to laugh at some dumb shit. Get that. It's it's fun. You just watch it on on Tubi or Pluto or whatever and just get a good laugh out of it. It's goofy. I'm a I'm just warning you. So when you watch it, don't be coming back at me going, Donna, this movie was dog shit. I told you it wasn't good. But it is fun. Okay. But he was a virgin until they decided to do it. So he was he was a he was a good virgin. I, I mean, I'm I, that's what I heard. I didn't I didn't sample them. I'm just telling you. That's what I heard. Now, one more male virgin I do want to talk about, and that is Detective, or is he Detective Sergeant? Sergeant Howie in The Wicker Man. 1973. It is currently on Apple TV for a rental fee. And Sergeant Howie has got to be one of the dumbest motherfuckers alive. I'm just throwing this out there. I love The Wicker Man, first of all. Second of all, this man goes to this aisle. The Island of Summer Isle. He's looking for a missing girl. He's doing his due diligence, passing judgment because he's a Christian, passing judgment on how this village lives and their pagan lifestyle. And lo and behold, we find out, well, shit, Sergeant Howie's got to be, I'm assuming back in the 70s, he must have been maybe in his late 30s, even though he looked like he was about 45 years old. And um, he's still a virgin. And it's a great big old wicker man. I'm going to let y'all figure out where that goes. If you have not seen this movie. Virgin sacrifices is still a thing on this island. That's how I can put it. So yeah, spoiled. He's not going to be here too long. Uh, But that's what you get for butting your nose in people's business. Um, Not my problem. Not my business. I ain't messing with it. However... He's one of those great virgins to watch because he thinks what he's doing is morally right. He thinks everything that they're doing is deviantly wrong. And, um, you know, you you really shouldn't throw stones at glass houses because then your ass ends up getting burned up in a big ass wicker man with a bunch of animals. So I'm just saying, sometimes you just need to mind your own business and let loose Maybe get laid. I don't know. Um, So those are my male virgins. I just wanted to talk about those. I will tell you um, at the beginning of this episode, I was talking about uh, there are some examples of virgins, people who were not virgins surviving horror film. And there are only two that I can think of. I know after I record this, I'll probably think of like a plethora of them. But the very first one that comes to mind is another person that was in Scream, Sydney Prescott. Sydney was a virgin the whole movie until the final act. And then she had Billy Loomis, Skeet Ulrich himself, who, by the way, Skeet Ulrich looks so much better now. I don't know how ladies liked him in the 90s. I just thought he looked really greasy. But man, he is a good looking. Can I say Dilf? He's got kids, right? 
he's a good looking dilf. Um, and I'm sure my friend Bleed Honey will love that. But because uh, we have a thing going on, we, we both like him now that he's older. He just looks better. But anyway, she gives it up to Billy. And not even five minutes. I don't even know if five minutes had taken place. They're putting on their clothes and putting their proper bits away. And then all hell breaks loose. But yet Sydney survived. And she's now survived in five fucking films. I think that cements the fact that you don't have to have your V card. You just got to be a smart motherfucker willing to fight and survive. And damn it, I will definitely do that shit. (laughs) I will definitely fight and survive. Countless times they have tried to take this woman down. Even after giving up that V card, that might have made her as stronger. I don't know. I think that's the only explanation for that. Like, she doesn't have to be pure because she's not pure anymore. That's why she's out here murking folks left and right. <laughs> but if they would just leave the bitch alone, she would be fine, right? Man, I am throwing expletives around here like like sailor confetti. Um, Sydney is one of my favorite final girls. Not a virgin. Seriously kicking ass. Cannot wait to see her in the next one if they can get their shit right as far as paying her what she is due because there's no goddamn Scream franchise without Nev Campbell. They, they got to stop that shit. Give her goddamn money. Moving on because I will go off on that. My other favorite final girl is Jenny from Friday the 13th Part 2. Jenny is clearly not a virgin. She had gave up that V card a long time ago. We know this because clearly when she pulls up, her and her little uh, camp counselor boyfriend, you know, they're making goo-goo eyes at each other. And then he comes to her cabin because he's getting ready to try to get some. And she's trying to tell him, hey, the red tide is in. I cannot help you. (laughs) Not in the way that you want to be helped, sir. And uh, we know that she got her period. I I always love the period jokes that aren't right in your face, but there's like the little subtle nods. We know that she's on her period and he clearly did not get anything other than possibly a hand job, mouth job. I don't know. Sorry, guys. I know I'm crass today. But uh, her boyfriend puts a, a note on the mirror written in her lipstick. Uh, Beware when you're going out there, bears. Because bears can smell the blood. <laughs> and I thought, shit, that is one of the cleverest ways to, to make a, a period joke but not be really really on the nose with it you know Jenny is so smart she's a child psychologist or studying to be a child psychologist she figures out what to do to kind of undermine Jason and kind of throw him off out of his senses because he's not really mentally stable to be I mean you're living in the woods with your dead mom's head you're not going to be a stable person but she figures a way to outwit him and I always thought that that was clever And those are the only two that I can think of that were final girls who were not virgins or did not keep their V card. If you think of any, you can always let me know. I'm sure there's a few more. Um, The last thing I wanted to talk about in all of this virgin territory, pun fucking intended, is a movie called Cherry Falls. Now, Cherry Falls was one, not a lot of people talk about it. Not a lot of people have seen it. I'm actually probably going to go ahead and order it. I see that it is on Amazon Blu-ray for $14.99. What I love about Cherry Falls is it is the exact 
opposite of what we get in horror movies. You know, horror movies, they want you to remain pure and you have to be a virgin in order to survive. In this one, there's a killer on the loose. And is he killing virgins? Yes, yes, he's killing virgins. So this town decides to let their kids go buck wild and have as much sex as possible. Because if the murderer is killing virgins, we don't want our kids to be virgins. Go out there, carry your your condom, (laughs) and go and get some. Because we don't want you to die, son. If my mom had that conversation with me, I would have died. Literally, I would (laughs) have... I would have sunk into the floor and died if my mom said, well, honey, you know, there's a killer on the loose, but they're only killing virgins. So I feel like you should probably go ahead and let your boyfriend give, give you some. Who says that? But that's just what these people in this town do. They let these kids go and have basically a free for all orgy to keep them from getting murdered. And I don't know about you, but that's a hell of a twist for a horror movie. And this one came out in 2000. It's not streaming anywhere. Uh, The late Brittany Murphy is in this. Excuse me. And so is Jay Moore and um, Michael Biehn, who was Reese in the Terminator film. I always mess up his last name. But anyway, Cherry Falls is great. It's one of those slasher films. Um, Now that I'm thinking about it, the killer in it, the slasher, and it looks kind of like the murderer and malignant kind of a a giallo-esque character long black wig um i don't remember the killing weapon in that in sherry falls but i love the reverse of it where as in most horror movies you want to stay as pure as possible and in this horror movie they're telling you the quite the the opposite end of the spectrum which is go out there and get you some because if you don't you're gonna die (laughs) which is so great in its own right to see a town rallying behind teenage sex. Never, never in my life would I have thought that I would have seen a film like this. Um, and like I said, it's it's available on Amazon Blu-ray for $14.99. I think I might just order it because I haven't seen it in quite a long time and I, I got a kick out of it. It's not a great horror film. It's in that same vein of disturbing behavior. It, you know, it's not... It's not something you're going to always be talking about, but damn, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun-ass ride to see that opposite end. So that's my virgin talk with you, my virgin TED talk. Thank you for coming to my virgin TED talk. (laughs) Um, I will try to do some more of these uh, sex and horror episode. And I I know I've said this before, but I do have a friend that we're, we're trying to figure out a way to make a joint podcast where we just talk about sex and horror and sex and film in general, um, I think is the plan. It's goal. Uh, We just haven't gotten there yet, much like these virgins. And uh, (laughs) thank you for listening. As always, Um, this was just a a quick episode talking about virgins and horror, talking about dick, 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 dick. That's all I can think about is Reservoir Dogs. I swear every time I hear that song, but, um, I hope you enjoyed it. Give me your thoughts on this episode. Uh, Some of the horror versions that you like or the ones that I didn't think of that you may, you know, want to throw my way. I may be able to throw them in another episode as well. I plan on doing a good bit more of these sex and horror film um, kind of episodes every now and then. So I don't want y'all to think I'm just some kind of 
sex pervert. I mean, I am, but I just don't want you thinking I am, <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. But I, I enjoyed um, doing this one, and I hope that you guys, um, I hope I made you laugh, and I hope it made you think about it, and the power that you have inside of you. I have the power. Um, but yeah, it was, it's fun. It's fun to think about those horror tropes and break them down and and see what works and what doesn't work. And I think sex is always going to be one of those things in horror films that we're going to utilize in some way, shape or form. And, and it works and we, we can all identify with it. So now that we've had this, um, this virginal Ted talk, I'm going to wrap it up. I don't have a rant for you this week. I, I I know, I know you're used to my rants, but sometimes I feel like I'm a little preachy. So I decided to give you a, a break from whatever's in my brain this week. But I, since I was thinking about virgins, I figure why the fuck not? Why not? Why not talk about them? And I hope you had a good time. I did. And until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness. And I will talk to you guys then. Bye.